Hey everyone, welcome to the Echo Podcast. My name is Ryan Becker and I am your host. Uh, On this podcast, we talk about issues of faith, life, and the Seventh-day Adventist church that young adults face every single day. And so I get the privilege of sitting with two people and and hashing out our perspectives and sharing just our experiences together. And on today's episode, we have two awesome guests. The first is Andrew Corp. Andrew is a theology major at Southern Adventist University and uh, has become someone who's really close to me. I've been able to watch him grow through high school and college as well. He took a year to serve as a pastor out in Hawaii in the middle of his studies, and he's just returned this school year. And then the second is Rachel Beaver. Rachel is actually a recent alumnus of Southern. She graduated with a public relations major and is uh, currently in the area and has become someone who's been a really good friend of this podcast. You probably recognize her from past episodes. And so she is someone whose uh, opinion and perspective I have really come to respect and, and enjoy hearing from. And so I won't keep you from them any longer. Welcome to Echo. Let's get started. This episode of the Echo podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University. I see no way for this episode to not just go off the rails. I, I think this episode's <laughs> going to go just so well because this is this is not a controversial topic, literally at all. It's never been. It's not you know a hotly discussed topic or you know anything people are worried about. It's not like it comes up often. So I think. Oh yeah, right, yeah. I don't think a lot of people are going to care about this really. No. Um, so with that, on that note, way nope. to sell the episode. Yeah. No. All, it, everything I just said, think the opposite, and that's how this is going to go. Exactly. Um, granted, everything I do goes off the ro- off the rails. So, you know, it's just part of my life. No, I think this one is this one is something that every single Christian. I would argue that outside of Christianity, too, uh, other faith traditions struggle with, regardless of leadership or a position status, whatever. So lay members, um, you know, church officers like elders and deacons, pastors, especially conference officials, uh, union officials, uh, division officials, and all the way, you know, up to the GC level, all, all of these, we always come across uh, situations where we're, where we end up going, I'm not really sure how this should be dealt with, or it's easy to see something from the outside and think that should have been handled differently mm-hmm. right um so i want to talk with the two of you about this i think this is something that we have the opportunity to share our own perspectives and ideas on how we can better handle um issues on and matters of discipline in the church um and 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 what discipline could or should look like and i think that regardless of because this is something that affects everyone this is something that no one is not allowed to have an opinion on like i think everyone is into, like everyone is entitled to i think what is a a worthwhile opinion even to just hear out so mm-hmm. uh, don't want you to think that because you're not like in your 50s and haven't you know pastored churches for for 30 years uh that you can't speak on this because even those pastors on occasion and i've seen it happen time and time again they'll turn to colleagues and say i don't know what to do here or they will, or even they'll just handle it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, um, with that, I think the the first thing to to speak to um, that I'd love to hear from you guys and Andrew, we'll start with you. Is uh, what is your history with the Seventh Day Adventist Church? How long have you been in it? Yeah, just kind of your overall background with Adventism. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, um, born into it. My parents are both teachers in the in the in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. So I, I grew up with it. I grew up with the teachings. I grew up in the church. I grew up in the schooling um, all the way up through that. So my history is very much Adventism. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much at its core. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. Rachel, what about you? And I am the 
polar opposite. I've only been in the church coming up on four years was mm. the first time I even walked into one. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still pretty new to the game and yeah. com- compared to Andrew's lifetime achievements. <laughs> yeah, no, um, same here. I, uh, Rachel Held Evans, who is now, she, she died last year, um, prolific Christian author, non-denominational. Um, but the one thing that she shared about why she was a Christian still was that it was the... Uh, it's her first language, so to speak. Like it's always mm-hmm. going to be the thing that everything is filtered through, whether she identifies that way or not. Um, and that's very much Andrew. I'm in the same boat as you, as having grown up Adventist. Like it is right. my it is my first language. It's my first right. home. And and so there, no matter how far away from Adventism I could go, which I don't think I'll ever go um, go away from it. But mm-hmm. no matter how far I could go, it will still be a very core part of my identity, sure. right? Yeah. And and those things Feel will still that. come out. So um, no, I I very much value the fact that there's two widely different experiences here. Um, it'd be really funny though, if you both landed on the same things and agreed all the time. Um, <laughs> so, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> what are, what is a situation that you think are that you've, uh, you know, a disciplinary situation, maybe you saw a friend uh, or a family member or just another church member um, either go through discipline or make some mistake and, and have, and be punished um uh, yeah, what have you seen any of that ever play out? And if so, like, what was can you? Is there anything you can speak to on that situation and how you felt about it? Mm-hmm. Um, there's one specific instance that comes to mind, and it's a little bit it's a little bit different. It's not necessarily someone did something wrong or anything, but there was um, when I was a uh, youth pastor um, in Hawaii, we had a we had a case where um, there was a someone who was actually mentally challenged um, in the church. Um, and the issue with that was that this person was um, was so mentally challenged they weren't necessarily receiving help, and they were trying to turn help for, for, for to the church, which necessarily weren't necessarily equipped to handle mm-hmm. that. Um, but she was um, kind of making like death threats and this kind of thing um, within the church, and that was a really hard thing to do because what do we do? Do we keep her there and try to like help her out, or do we, you know, do we actually have to ask her to leave, mm-hmm. you know? And that was and that was a really hard situation that the the church had to deal with. Um, and in the end, we did actually eventually asking her to leave because we saw it as we need to protect the flock, um, you know, of the church mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with this whole situation. But it was definitely a, a difficult situation that we had to deal with with the kind of that side of discipline. Like, do we keep her here? Do we try to help her? Mm-hmm. Or is that whole that grace discipline thing, mm-hmm. or do we? You know, have to have to let her yeah. go and let professional people handle it. So, were you serving on leadership when that was going on? I was. Okay. Yes. So, what were what were some of those conversations like? Um, you know, if because there's a lot that gets talked about, a lot that gets considered that a lot of people just never encounter, never experience, never For know sure. about. So, what were like? What were some of those conversations? Was there was there ever a time where you had to convince people like, no, we should we should ask her to leave or no, we should have her stay or um, like, yeah. How, how give us a kind of behind the curtain look at what those conversations were. Yeah, for sure. There was, um, there was definitely conversations where we had two different, differing viewpoints on it. Um, We had, we had someone who, who was kind of in that, she had a little bit of background with that um, and and helping people with um, mentally um, challenged things. And so we had her kind of fighting for her but then we also had the pastor who said, I think this is the wise thing to do is let her leave because we need to protect our flock. Mm. We need to protect the people within the church. And if she's doing these things, we're not going to be able to shepherd people in. We're not going to be able to bring people in. We're not going to be able to keep people here. And so there were definitely um, 
conversations like that at at those leadership meetings you know where we had a couple people over here who were siding with her and a couple people over here that were siding with the pastor and it was it was definitely a difficult road to navigate um but i think the the pastor handled it very well in approaching that whole situation which is what i think all these situations need to be held with uh, or um dealt with first and foremost is is with love um and he he addressed the 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 need and the the other side, what they were saying, and, and in a very effective and loving way, and said, look, we, I see what you're saying. I understand. I understand your point, but but help me to look at the whole picture here, and and just was very loving in his approach, um, but I got to see that all play out, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it was it was definitely a learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the woman in, in question, was she in a leadership position? No, she oh, was okay. not. She was a regular. Just a member. Yeah, just a oh, member. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, Rachel, mm-hmm. what about you? Have you seen anything in your short time? Um, I haven't personally had to experience anything like that luckily it's I mean I know there have been issues but they've all been things that I've just kind of like heard through the grapevine um Mm. sort of things and and nothing to that extent like death threats mostly just like you know young people having premarital sex or you know a sabbath school leader kind of doing their own thing instead of wanting to you know stick to the the system all things that to me seem kind of petty but (laughs) but luckily i was not actually involved in so i don't have too much experience Mm -hmm. well i will say even on the on the side of premarital sex there is a um i'm gonna i'm about to walk a very fine line here we go Uh, go. so um so walk with me here okay um one of the biggest uh proponent or one of the biggest arguments that a lot of proponents against abortion or those we would call pro-life um, one, one of the biggest arguments that they that they make, especially in kind of the more extreme cases of a pregnancy um, via rape or otherwise, is that, well, the baby didn't do it. So why are we going to make the baby suffer? Mm. Right. That mm-hmm. That is something that that gets brought up. Uh, I've, I've heard brought up a lot as an answer to that argument, whether someone agrees with that or not. I'm just saying that arg- that argument exists. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. The one thing I wish is that when it comes to premarital sex, where a pregnancy is formed out of it. Um, I wish we would actually use that same logic in those situations. Like mm-hmm. this is an area where I wish there would be um, be a little bit more grace extended mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. at the same time that you're punishing or disciplining, let's just use the word, let's, let's be intentional with that word of disciplining, um, mm-hmm. which is discipline is consequences with the, with the intent to uh, repair or restore right. mm-hmm. or, or, you know, um, and get someone back to a, a place, a, a healthy place. And, um, yeah, I wish when someone is pregnant, regardless of, of how they got pregnant, but just as a, you know, just as a matter of they're pregnant now, I wish we wouldn't harm the baby by kicking them out and depriving that baby of what could be a very loving and supportive community Mm -hmm. um, that can help raise it alongside this couple that maybe we're not expecting it at all. Um, and now they're, uh. Now they're on this journey, like it or not. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I think it's different if it's just if if not that I think the church should go like prying into people's personal lives and doing like a sex check. Right. Are yeah. you are you not? Um, I, but, um, you know, if it is discovered that that someone is doing something that is against the codes of conduct, that being a part of a community 
um, has naturally, right? Every community, every group that you join has rules regardless. You join a country club, you have a group of friends, there's a rules that if you break, you're out. Um, and premarital sex happens to be um, one of those, not necessarily like you do this and you're automatically out sort of things, but it it's it's the one that everyone thinks of. Let's just be honest. Like, mm-hmm. let's just speak to that elephant in the room. Um, and I think that if, if it's discovered and there is nothing that has happened yet, that's where we can sit down and have room for um, for intentional conversation and, and, and working through that. But when it comes to a pregnancy now formed, I think that that's where we err on the side of grace. That's my personal opinion, by the way. Yeah, that's no. not, yeah. yeah, but that's how I feel. I don't know how you guys feel. If you agree with that, disagree, um, feel no. free to disagree. You're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with that. Cause I think, I think that what we need to be doing as a church with these discipline things is that, you know, we believe in this in this grace of, of like you said of change and when that when that discipline comes in it's not necessarily just oh i'm here to punish you like i'm here to discipline you and show you that there's a better way like mm-hmm. and there's a better way to do life um and and that's what that whole discipline thing is and and the fact is that like when jesus came into people's lives and he showed them grace he left them changed and that and that's the whole thing about like what we need to be doing as a church we need to be loving people but also letting them know that that we want to move them forward and we want to walk alongside of them in that process. Like, like mm-hmm. you said, with this whole, this whole pregnancy thing, like, yeah, I think you're right. We need to err on the side of grace in that because now we have an opportunity to love this person or love whoever it is. And then love this, this, this child too, or whoever's coming out, you know, you know, we have an opportunity to bring someone else into this loving, nurturing family. And we need mm-hmm. to come alongside of these people and, and, and help them grow through life with that, first mindset mm-hmm. of grace mm-hmm. of disciplining with grace so where would you say that the line is because like you said you know what from your story there was a woman like there came a point where it's like okay this has gone too far where would mm-hmm. you say that that line is for both of you i think i think that line i think that line is is where we cross the line is where like in that whole situation in that extreme situation mm-hmm. you know you had the the non-extreme i had the extreme but in that extreme situation where the the safety and and the and is is threatened mm-hmm. by by the the church community like that was very much um the pastor there he was saying like look the the safety of our flock is being threatened mm-hmm. and and i think that is kind of where that line is you know if if we can accept this person and love this person and come alongside of this person without threatening the safety of our mm-hmm. of our church then like why are we not doing that mm-hmm. the 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 problem that a lot of churches run into and and actually my church ran into this very recently is that uh, there's a lot of individuals that have been kicked out of a certain church right of a specific like local church or some that have actually been banned from several churches um and every church wants to be the church that says like we believe in second chances and we believe in um and you know maybe this person really has changed or can change or anything like that right and so yeah we know they've been kicked out of this church but let's give them a try here and actually there's a lot of malicious people that you that actually take advantage of that attitude right. or that mm-hmm. forgiveness attitude and that's true for abusive relationships that's true for um for friendships and relationships as uh, you know uh in general but at some point it's not even just the safety of you know the church itself and the church community uh if if there is someone like that you also have an obligation to protect those who are not yet even in your church community, right? right? Exactly. Um, yeah, it's not hiding the truth. It's not hiding anything. It's simply saying, like, look, if the, if this is a person like in your situation that that is actually giving death threats, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. Um, what does that spell for a visitor 
or yeah, a guest. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. What does that mean for them? And and churches are private property, so they have the right. Like you may think, oh well, then the person will just stand outside and warn people about you know this terrible church, which has happened. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the beauty of being a church on private property is that you have the right to tell someone to leave and right. and actually enforce that mm-hmm. on no trespassing. And that is a boundary that churches set. The problem with enforcing a boundary like that is you always look mean. Right. Um, but I think the one thing when it comes to church discipline in general that I that I really wish everyone would have a little bit more of is a little bit more patience and understanding right. yeah. um, to say like, okay, if it's at the point that this church has called the police to have someone escorted off the property, like it had to escalate to that point. There's not a lot of churches that just start there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and honestly, you can't. Like most of the time, if you call the police to say this person's on my property, the, the first thing they'll say is, did you tell them that they cannot be there? Mm-hmm. Um, they will actually put the ball back in your court. You have to have made it expressly known that that person is not welcome there and that they need to leave the property immediately. If you have not done that, um, then please like, well, Sorry do that first and yeah. then we can intervene we can if something. they still yeah. won't leave so there are steps to like a process like that too mm-hmm. um so yeah i do wish there was a little bit more patience and understanding on this on the part of on the part of members um but what i want to ask i guess at this point is oh well first of all do you think that, that that's a fair line? You're the one who asked the question. Oh, for personal safety, absolutely. I, I recognize that you know <laughs> this is clearly an extreme case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so if like if safety is the line, then what do we define as safety? Well, there's mm-hmm. and and it's not just yeah, it's not even just physical safety; it's spiritual safety as well. Mm-hmm. Right, spiritual. Why, yep. Um, and many Adventists know of Shepherd's Rod, and mm-hmm. yep. um. Yep. There is, there are groups that are out to intentionally cause, you know, spiritual or strife in churches, conflict in churches, mm-hmm. um, in order to even potentially gain trust, flip a church, or even be able to then share their own theological ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a, um, there is a very big need and obligation on the part of pastors and leadership to be on the lookout for those things. And it's not that you're trying to hide other op- belief options from from your members it's rather if this is a group that is proven again and again or is known for for kind of manipulative behaviors and practices um then yeah we have to tell them leave like there's no Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it is it is it is it can be very dangerous to the spiritual health of your church as well as the physical health of your church for um to allow not other ideas in, but specifically malicious ideas in, right. if that makes sense, mm-hmm. or hostile ideas. So that's that's how I tend to view that. But it's, and I speak on that from a little bit of pastoral experience. Um, but the, the the downside of being a leader is you will always wear the black hat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that phrase come from, comes from. So if there's some origin to that phrase that is really bad, someone please tell me. Um, <laughs> and I will no stop idea. using it. So, so the idea of wearing... My mom was the principal of an academy, mm-hmm. and uh, during that time, there were times where staff members and faculty didn't have their contracts renewed, and so she, personnel committee, would make that decision, but she would have to be the one to inform the person, whether or not she agreed with the decision of the committee. Right, mm-hmm. right. She would have to, quote, wear the, yeah, she, it's yeah. the messenger. She'd yeah. have to be the messenger, and, and people would take that out on her and my family, even though she's not, like... All she is is the messenger. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now, granted, she could have agreed with the decision. Then she's no longer just the... But yeah. still, like, she's still the one that has to sit down with them in a room and tell For them, sure. yeah. you will no longer have a job. Right. Um, that's hard. Yikes. Um, 
that is that's why I say patience and understanding. However, mm-hmm. that doesn't that doesn't free the church or excuse any times that the church I think has done that inappropriately. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, what would you say is an example of um, or, or or yeah, what would you say is an example of something that is uh, where the church has done something wrong? Where mm-hmm. church dis- where we haven't done a good job of balancing grace and discipline, or or we have actually um, crossed that line and caused more harm than good. Yeah, I think for me, I think one of the things, and and I don't know, I think this may be one of the number one reasons why we have so many young adults and youth leaving our church, is because we don't have that patience and that endurance to actually connect with these people that walk through the doors, and the mm-hmm. first thing that we do when they walk in is cast judgment upon them, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't fit within our Adventist standard of what we're supposed to look like you know you have that first person that 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 young adult who is like you said who is pregnant whatever come into the doors of the church for the first time and we immediately cast judgment upon them Mm -hmm. or they're wearing jewelry or whatever it may be um, and and we cast that judgment upon them without first handling the situation with patience with endurance with grace and saying look you've come in here for the first time we're here to love you we're here to accept you but like I said we're also here to to help you change to be molded into that character of christ right Mm -hmm. and i think that at least in my experience what i've seen is that that discipline is is given way too quickly Mm -hmm. when someone walks in through the door for the first time and the judgment just comes in and then the discipline comes in um on that first interaction where that discipline needs to be coming in later if we have someone who's been in the church for years and years and years and years and who's still practicing something that's a different story mm-hmm. you know um and those things need to be handled differently too with that patience with that love with that grace and coming alongside of them um but too many times i think we push people out the first time that we see them mm-hmm. well i would even argue that up until i almost want to say early 20s but really um at least through the teenage years at least to the age of 18 um, I'm tempted to to say that we should be treating teenagers the same way we treat new believers, mm-hmm. right? And saying like we need to be extending more grace to them because even mm-hmm. if they've grown up oh, hearing yeah. it, that does not mean that they've either accepted it or they've like really learned it or um, been able to ingrain it in in themselves. Or maybe the very people that that taught them those things also did something to hurt them, so they've abandoned right. everything that that mm-hmm. person told them. Um, like that happens with youth pastors and youth leaders, mm-hmm. or. Or parents Mm -hmm. so um, I do think that there is a lot more room for grace when it comes to dealing with teenagers right Um, I do understand that 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 it becomes and this is where I speak to the other end of it that becomes very complicated in a school environment um, where you and in a and it can be in a church environment where parents very involved in youth ministry would look at someone getting receiving grace and saying um, what does that teach my kid Mm. Mm. Um, so there is there is a that's why I say like it's a very thin line and it's a very hard line to walk for a leadership right because there are just so many different things that you have to that you have to balance yeah um, I will say there is one beautiful thing in Adventism that um, that I very much appreciate so um, we cannot disfellowship someone typically um, it's in the church manual that that before you disfellowship someone, which literally means to remove them as right. a member because right. of disciplinary action, right. um, you cannot do that without a few steps prior. And one of those steps, unfortunately, I cannot remember the word. Um, and if someone in the room were to shout it out randomly, I wouldn't be upset, but I think it starts <laughs> with a P. But basically, um, when someone is caught in... in um, doing something bad, like doing something that is harmful to the community or just caught in sin, um, uh, 
the thing you do before disfellowshipping them is basically it's like a year-long probationary period. Hmm. Um, hmm. And before you can put them on that, even that probationary period, you have to call a uh, church business meeting, which is just technically your church every time they meet on a Saturday morning is also a business session. Like if you've ever voted someone who's getting yeah, baptized, right, right. like <laughs> right. that was your church acting in business session. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a there is a business session that has to happen where you actually have to send notify you have to notify the person who's being discussed, letting them know this is the time place of the meeting you are welcome to come like they have to be notified mm. um mm. for that meeting to um like by registered mail um well, or by phone well. or whatever like there has to be confirmed correspondence with them and then um that person has the opportunity to show up and and defend themselves or speak to their own experience or whatever um so that person is in a in if things are done correctly that person still has a voice in the conversation mm-hmm. at least now it might be them against the church unfortunately but ultimately that person does have the opportunity to stand up for themselves right. um, and at minimum it's a year of probationary period and then the disfellowshipping isn't automatic they have to reopen the whole matter and discuss it again and see if there's any been any changes mm. or any updates in the last year which is huge like that there's a lot of grace extended in that process right. mm-hmm. for sure um, that I'm that I'm very grateful for if mm-hmm. it's followed correctly i cannot remember what the word is for the, for probation um it's gone oh it's, it's a different word than it's probation. a different word it's than probation. It, was a p word, so. it is a p word but uh <laughs> well we'll just uh we'll throw it in the show notes if i if if when i look it up later um but here's i, I do want to ask this um what do you wish people what do you wish leadership would do as they as they handle these things better this is going to be like wrap up like what do you mm-hmm. wish leadership um what do you wish to see in leaders as they handle ish- disciplinary matters in the church Hmm. And I know this one's a thinker. Like, this is, <laughs> don't worry, you're good. Um, for me, I think um, the one thing that I wish leadership would be aware of or be more tightly aware of is, and I'm not going to say control the narrative, that's not it at all, um, but they need to be aware of what narrative is or narratives are being created by each decision that, that they have available to them or each option they have available mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. So if we go down route A, what does that look like? Um, and how do we actually manage and, and respond to that? And can mm-hmm. we actually justify the response? Like, like, is the response from members actually justified if we do this? Do they have a, do they have a case here? If we do route A or route B or route C? Um, I wish that leadership, as you had mentioned earlier, would be a little slower to action. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And... I won't say I wish they would pray more because most most leaders that I've talked that I've that I've talked to and that I've seen handle disciplinary issues um, pray a lot. Mm-hmm. But obviously, there's like there's always room for more prayer for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is your opportunity to like speak to actual leadership here. What do you want them to know regarding disciplinary matters? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Bouncing off of that too, I, I I think that I think that you're right. You know, I liked how you put that that narrative. That's a really cool um, yeah uh, uh, analogy. Like the what are we what are we saying to the community around us with each action that we take you know how are we how are we showing ourselves how are we showing that even though maybe sometimes we do have to make a difficult call mm-hmm. but why did we make that difficult call mm-hmm. you know was there was there logical actual yeah. concrete reasons for that for that call that we had to make even though it was tough you know and as people see that they lay out the evidence you know like people say okay that makes sense you know and it's and it and that is a process like you said if we slow down that process and we really you know molded over prayer like you were saying just praying about it and, and and laying out the concrete reasons and slowing that process down i think 
the outside world would see us a whole lot differently than being the typical stereotype that I've heard so much of, oh, they judge us all the time. You know, mm-hmm. the, the judging church. You know, if we slowed that process down to the point where we where people see that that we're we're extending grace in every area that we can, but yeah, we're also being disciplinary to protect our people, the yeah. safety of the mm-hmm. spiritual safety, the physical safety. Then I think the world will start to see us a lot different and maybe a lot more in a, in a more attractive way. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Rachel, yeah. what about you? I would just say that, you know, like you both said, really take the time to make sure that, that the decision you're making is right. Because I know a lot of times in these kind of moments in crisis, people are very jumped to kind of make a decision. And then all of a sudden, people already have like a judgment in mind. It's like they don't really even need to think about it because they already know in a way what they want to do. And it's kind of hard to you know, just shift your way of thinking and be like, okay, let's, let's stop. Let's really think about this for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know going back to that first example with the, the, the couple I knew who was having premarital, premarital sex. Um, I know for a fact that those conversations never happened with the two parties in question. It was brought forth by parents who found out. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I highly disagreed with. I mean, mm-hmm. the, um, they ended up did, you know, they got grace of course. And but but still, it's like they didn't have a voice. Yeah, yeah. Th- they they didn't have a voice, and so listen to the voices, and mm. don't let people or the voices around yeah. you, you know, cloud, pointing yeah. them towards God. Yeah, if and that makes sense. Don't confuse what is an honest mistake or even a moment of weakness with intentional malice. Yes. Right, that's a big uh, one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's and I and I think that that really is. Um, that's when we tend to err on the side of uh, punishment rather than of grace is when we, when we, when we make that mistake. So mm-hmm. uh, Andrew and Rachel, thank you guys so much for sharing your perspectives. And, and I've really appreciated this, this conversation. Um, this has been really cool for me as well. So, um, and to our listeners, thank you guys so much for being on this journey with us and for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to echo and for being on this journey with us. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope that you'll leave a comment, subscribe, hit that like button. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcasting app that you like the most, we hope that you'll hit that subscribe button, that you'll leave a review, and that you'll engage with us. And also for more content from Project Refresh that's like Echo and some of the other shows that we host, then head on over to theprojectrefresh.org. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us, and we'll see you next week. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University.